So if you have a Bible, turn to Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1. We've been in this series. This is our eighth week. This is the conclusion of our series, Running with the Giants. And and uh, I've enjoyed preaching this, and, and it's the best way, the best person that I could possibly end it on is Jesus. Amen. He is the beginning, and He is the end. Amen. Hebrews 12.1, it says this. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you better run. With endurance, the race that is set before us. In verse 2 and 3, we haven't read these verses. And this is what it's really all about. It says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility for sinners against himself, lest you become weary. He did it for you. Tell him I said hi. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Amen. Lord, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. Or they didn't come to hear a word from man, but they've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would speak to the hearts of your people. Lord, let no one leave the same and let every life be changed. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. There was a, a retired NFL player, and uh, he, had, uh, he, he had obviously spent his whole life doing a lot of physical activity because football is a lot of work. And and uh, after he retired, he continued to eat like he'd always, but he ne- wasn't exercising like he used to. And so he started to put on quite a bit of weight. And uh, he was talking to one of his friends, and he said, man, I have tried everything to lose weight. I've tried Jenny Craig. I've, I- I've tried Slim Fast. I've tried Atkins Diet. I've tried everything in the world, and there's nothing that seems to take the weight off, he said. And then, I, and then and when I, I try to go to the gym and work out, and I'm just not motivated like I used to, I'm not, I, I just, I'm not feeling it. And so his friend sat there and listened to him like a good friend does, and he said, okay, I got the perfect thing for you. And so he wrote down on a, on a piece of paper, and he, and, he, and he stuffed it into an envelope, and he sealed it. And then he wrote an address on the front of the envelope, and he said, now here's what I want you to do. At 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, I want you to show up at this address, and I want you to go up to the door, and I want you to ring the doorbell, and after the person answers the door, you can open the note and read it. And he was like, Oh, okay, well, that's kind of random, but whatever. I'm willing to do anything to lose weight. So at 9 a.m., he shows up at the house. He kind of is a little bit timid to get out, but he finally gets out. He walks up to the door. He rings the doorbell, and this beautiful woman comes to the door and opens the door. He looks, and this woman is everything that he had ever imagined in his wife, in a wife that he he wanted. He, I mean, she was stunning. She was beautiful, and he he quickly kind of fumbled. Come on, like guys do, and he fumbled and opened the the letter, and it said this. It said, "If you can catch her, you can have her." And then all of a sudden, she turned and took off running. 
Now then, here, big, heavy NFL player guy is trying to catch this woman, and he's taking off after her. There's, no, there's not even a chance of it the first day. But guess what? The next day, he was determined. He showed up at 9 a.m., and he rang the doorbell, and, and still not a chance of catching her. She was way too fast. And then day three, 9 a.m., he showed up again, rang the doorbell, and he kept doing this week after week, month after month. And, I mean, the weight's coming off, and he's getting faster and faster and faster and faster and finally one day he got nearly to where he could just nearly touch her shoulder but he just couldn't reach her and he thought well tomorrow is for sure it's happening I'm going to finally catch my prize the next day he showed up at 9 a.m. and he rang the doorbell but to his dismay his the woman that he'd been chasing for that many years or that many months didn't didn't answer the door but there was a heavyset woman holding a note that said if you can catch him you can have him. Come on, we all need motivation, right? Some people are motivated by different things. My wife is motivated by chocolate. Come on, she loves chocolate. So she runs so she can eat chocolate. But we all need motivation, and it comes in different forms and, and different shapes. And, and this whole series has been about this because the truth is, is that God, a lot of times we go through the Bible and we begin to read about these incredible characters in the Bible, and it frustrates us. But I'm here to tell you right now that God did not write about these men and women in the Bible to frustrate frustrate you. He wrote about them to inspire you because if they did it, you can do it too. If they conquered, you can conquer too. If they move mountains, you can move mountains too. I want you to understand no matter how old, no matter how young, if you just keep showing up and you keep going and going and refuse to quit, God will make sure to see you through. Stop being frustrated when you read the Bible and think, well, I'm not there yet. I, I haven't arrived. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not quite there. I want you to understand that God wants you to be inspired and say, man, God, if you can show up and use Noah, I think you can maybe show up and use me. If you can show up and, and move through Abraham, maybe you can show up and use me. I want you to understand that if you can show up and use Ruth, God can use you. He's just wanting you to be willing. Today we look at the life of Jesus, and I think, really, honestly, all inspiration comes through Jesus, right? He was incredible, and I was getting ready for this message, and honestly, where do you start? I mean, I could go, I, honestly, if we got into the Word, we, we could just keep going and going and going and going and going and going, and y'all would be like, all right, you need to quit, or we're leaving, just going to walk out, but... But I, I, was, I was studying for this, this message, and I think, you know, you can tell a lot, you can really tell a lot about somebody on a bad day. Have you ever dealt with somebody, and they're super sweet all the time, and everything's good, but then when they get into a bad, they have a bad day, they turn into, like, the most evil person on the face of the planet? Anybody else ever? Apparently not very many men are married in this place. I'm just kidding, sort of. <laughs> All the guys are like. <laughs> but, you know, in, I think that Jesus on his worst day shows us 
what to do. Because here he is, he's hanging on a cross. He's dying for your sins. He's dying for sinners. He's, he's been beaten. He's been, he's been absolutely, I mean, gone through tremendous torture. And is hanging on a cross. And I want to just quickly take a look at seven statements that he makes on the cross. Now, you can't find any of these statements in one gospel, but in the, in, if you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see all seven statements in the gospels. And, and, I, and I love this because it shows really, I think when, when, that's when it gets really hard. When you want to quit, when you want to throw in the towel, when you want to stop running is when you're having a bad day. When things have gone wrong, when nothing's going right, that's when you really want to quit. And I want to just take just a few moments and look at the life of Jesus. And what would he tell us as we're, as we're running, as we're, we're trying to move on? And, and maybe some of you have had the worst week of your life, or maybe you've been in the worst month, or sometimes it feels like it's been six months, and you've had just a horrible time. What would Jesus say to you? The first thing I think that he would say is found in Luke 23 and 34. The first thing that he would say is, forgive everyone that hurts you. Mm, that's a popular one. You don't know what they did. No, I don't. Forgive everyone that hurts you. In Luke 23 and 34, let's read it together. It says this. It says, Then Jesus said, as he's hanging on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now here he is. He's looking at the people that have tortured him. He's looking at the people that have hurt him. And he looks down at them and he doesn't despise them. He doesn't hate them. He do, he's not angry at them. He says simply this, Father, forgive them. I think a lot of people end up living their lives holding on to hurt, holding on to resentment, holding on to unforgiveness. And God is saying this, if you'll learn to forgive, you'll be free. See, it's, it's really easy to ask people for forgiveness, but it's really hard to give it. Anybody in this place understand what I'm saying? Can you hear me? Amen. We're, come on, talk to me. But the, the, here, the, the, one of the greatest stories that I've ever heard about forgiveness was uh, a lady in our uh, old church, my dad's church. Um, she uh, walked through something horrific. Her, uh, she got the call one, early one morning. And from some police officers, and they said, um, we, just wanted, we, we just wanted to inform you that your, your daughter has been murdered. Obviously shocked, and she didn't have a clue. How do I, how do I even move through this? How do, I, how do I even, you know, just like a ton of bricks hit her all of a sudden. Well, then, it wasn't, if that wasn't bad enough, she found out that it was her son-in-law in a moment of rage killed her her daughter now here she has her son-in-law who she loved and who she trusted who took something very precious from her she said that i walked into the courtroom as he's being tried and i, I and i everybody in the room hated him you could feel the hate in the room and as soon as i walked in god said this are you going to forgive him or are you going to hate him she didn't have, she, she was in this, I mean, you got this tug of war that's going on on the inside of you. I don't know about you, but if something like that, I can't even imagine the pain and the agony that goes with that. And she said this, she said, God, you forgave me, I'll forgive him. And so she walks up to the front and she hugs his neck. 
in front of everybody and says, I love you and I forgive you and I'm praying for you. Now, I want you to understand something. You gotta, you, you, a lot of people think this. They think, well, if I forgive them, I'm making light of what happened to me. And that's not it at all because forgiveness is not making light. Some of you have had some things that have happened to you that I can't even imagine that you've gone through. Some of you have had loved ones that, it, that have betrayed you, and I can't even begin to go there. But I want you to understand, forgiveness is not making light of what they've done. Forgiveness is, is just saying this. God, I'm not going to let this hold me back anymore. I'm not going to let this be the chain that drags me down. I'm going to choose to break this chain. I'm going to choose to forgive, and I'm going to start moving on. The second thing forgiveness is not is not reconciliation. Some of the people that hurt you, you need to leave them in the past. You can forgive and not reunite. Amen? You don't have to go, oh, well, I forgive them and let them back into your life. Come on, fool me once. Y'all know the saying. You've got to understand forgiveness. Forgive the people that hurt you. It's one of the hardest lessons to ever learn. It's not easy. I'll tell you this right now. I still struggle with it. I don't know about you, but you cut me off in traffic, I want to stick a knife in your tire. Was that 30 seconds worth it? Huh? You know, I'm like, the Texas in me wants to put a boot somewhere. I don't know what happens. It just, come on, I, I think y'all think that I, because you're a pastor, you just walk around holier than thou all the time. No, I get frustrated. I get mad. And when people double cross me or when people hurt me, there's something that rises up. And I want you to understand that unforgiveness steals destinies. Unforgiveness will steal your destiny. Unforgiveness will eventually begin to creep in and begin to affect every part of your life. It will, you, you sit back and you think, oh, well, it won't hurt. I've seen people that hate their dad that become exactly like them because they won't forgive them. Because it creeps in and begins to take over every part of your life. Amen? The second thing I think Jesus would say in the second statement is in Luke 23 and 39 through 43. He would say this, help others who are sharing in your same struggle. Help others who are sharing in your same struggle. Luke 23, 39 and 43, it says this, Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus on his worst day, hanging on a cross, is still ministering to hurting people. I, 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 on bad days, I mean, I'm good. Well, I'm good at ministering to people when everything's going right. 
I'm good at loving people and hugging people, but when I've had a bad day and somebody comes up to me and starts asking me something, I, I know I'm not the most Christian guy in the room, and I'm like, do you even have a clue what I'm going through? Do you know what's going on in my life? Do you, you haven't even bothered to ask me how my day is going. You know, you go off on these things, but the truth is, is God wants you to see somebody else that's having the same struggle, maybe a, another struggle, and, and just start helping them and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this and start ministering to them. Let me tell you, if you wait until you have your life all together to start ministering, you will never start ministering. Because I don't know if any, nobody's told you this, but you ain't perfect, and you ain't never going to be perfect. Except for Isaiah. He's the only one. And uh, <laughs> you, God wants you to see somebody that's struggling. He wants you to see somebody that's hurting. He wants you to see somebody that's going through some really hard time and say, you know what? You're going to be okay. You're, you're going to make it. One of my favorite uh, people in the, in the church is Ruby Lay. She, she was a woman who struggled with anxiety all of her life, like a de- debilitating, not like, oh, I'm a little anxious. I can't get through. No, like debilitating anxiety where she wouldn't want to go anywhere. She wouldn't want to do anything. She wanted to lock herself in a room and stay away from everybody because anytime she got around people, she would get anxious. And God, she began to go to the Word of God, and God began to set her free and, and, and began to walk her through this process. And as she's walking through the process, God says, I, I want you to write a book about what I'm doing in your life. I want you to write a book about what's happening right now. And so she begins to write this book. Now then, she's written this book about how God has set her free from anxiety and hundreds are being helped. Hundreds are being healed. Hundreds are being ministered to. Now, let me just say this. Do you think that there's not days where she still struggles? Absolutely, there's days when everybody struggles, but in the midst of your struggle, God wants you to use you to minister to somebody. In the midst of your pain, God wants to use you to minister to somebody. Stop making it all about you and start helping someone else. That's a good preacher. Amen. I think I'm doing pretty good. Amen. You're doing good. Good. I'm going to keep going. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Third thing, take care of the people that are closest to you. In John 19, 26 through 27, why would Jesus tell us this? John 19, 26 through 27. It says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom Jesus loved standing by, he said this. Uh, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. You know, it's an amazing thing that in the midst of his pain, Jesus is still taking care of the people that are closest to him. You know, I, I have a, uh, a bad habit. I used to have a really bad habit of I would come in from the fire department. I would have a bad day, been up all night, working hard. Firemen don't just sit around and play dominoes all day. Uh, they actually have to work. And so we'd come in, and I'd be tired. I'd be wore out, up for 24 hours, just working, working, you know. And, and I would come in. Have you ever just come in in a bad mood? You don't know why you're in a bad mood. You're just in a bad. No, okay, I'm just the only one. I, it's all right. 
Well, I'm preaching to myself here. So I come in, I would come in uh, from work and I'd be in a bad mood and here my wife and my kids were and, and they, were, they were just, uh, they, you know, they'd greet me and say hi and it was the littlest things would just set me off. And I would get mad, and I would, I mean, of course, I'm not screaming, I'm not hitting, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just aggravated. I'm, I'm frustrated at everything, and I'm taking it out on them. And I, I'm, I'm, dis, I, I'm just, uh, you're, you're not doing anything right. This is not right. This is, and, and one day I'd walked into the, 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 to my bedroom, and I'd slam the door, and all of a sudden I had this, this moment and this thought of, why are you taking out your pain and your anger and your frustration on your, on your family? They haven't done anything because the truth is, is we have a tendency of hurting the people that are close to us when we're frustrated. We have a tendency of taking it out on the people that we love when, when, we're, when we're aggravated or when we had a bad day. And I want you to understand that maybe you have to sit out in the car for a couple more minutes and gather your thoughts and just say, you know what, I'm going to go into my house and I'm going to minister to my family. I'm going to go into my house and I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to go into my house and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hug on my kids and tell them how proud I am of them. you got to get in your mind that you cannot always take out your anger and your frustration on your family. Take care of those that are closest to you. Take care of them. Go in and love them. Hug on them. They're the ones that are going to get you through it. They're the ones that are there. Come on, your wife's been putting up with you for a long time. You better kiss her every now and then and tell her how thankful you are. Amen. The fourth thing. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurry. There's seven statements, so y'all are like, seven? Lord Jesus. I'm just going to give you this one. Realize that there are some things you won't understand until you get to heaven. We see this in Matthew 27, 46. Put it up there for me. Matthew 27, 46. And it says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli. Lama Sabatani. This is my God, my God. Why? There's a, that's a big question that's okay to ask. But there, you don't ever get stuck on why. Don't ever get stuck on why. It's a, it's a dangerous question that never has an end. You can keep asking, but why? But why? But why? Come on, if any of you have kids that are at two years old, they, why? 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 And you're like, because I said so, that's why. <laughs> you have that moment where you go, I thought I would never, I said I'd never say that as a parent, and I've just said it. Why? Because why has an, is never ending. And if you're not careful, you can spend your entire life on a why. And sometimes you've got you to just say, God, I don't understand why, but I'm moving on. Amen? The fifth thing. Be human enough to acknowledge you have a need. Be human enough to acknowledge you have a need. John 19, 28 and 29. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, amen, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a hyssop, and put it to his mouth. Here Jesus is, and he says this, I thirst, I have a need. There's a lot of people out there that won't ever acknowledge that they have a need. 
they think like they they've got it all together. They the, everything is going well. Everything's perfect in their life. And 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 the truth is is that all hell is breaking loose in their house, and that nothing's going right. Or or they they just need some help. They need somebody to come along and help them along. You got to understand that you have a church family because there there's times in your life when you're going to have a need, and all you have to do is say, you know what, I'm human. I, I have needs. I have something that come on. I I have something that I need. To get done. I have something that I need help with. I have something that I need. Come on, I have needs. Amen. My wife knows I have needs. Hallelujah. We have needs. Be human enough to know that you have needs. Stop acting like you have it all together. You know, my... uh, my daughter, uh, my, my son and my daughter, my wife used to take my son and daughter shopping with them. And, uh, of course, as they got a little bit older, they always wanted to help mom get groceries, you know, get, get them, the items off the shelf and into the basket. And uh, one day, Bradley had gotten a little bit older, and Crystal said, I need some potatoes. I need that sack of potatoes over there. And so Bradley walked over, and she grabbed the potatoes. Of course, it's a 10-pound bag of potatoes. And she grabs it, and she's got a hold of it, and... Uh, Crystal goes, here, give it to me, Braley. I'll put it in the basket. And Braley goes, no, Mama, it's okay. I got it. And she, keeps, she starts carrying it. Well, they've got a lot of shopping to do. And so she's, she's still pushing her basket, and Braley's still carrying this bag of potatoes. And a little bit of time goes by, and now then Braley's dragging the bag of potatoes. <laughs> Come on. And then and Crystal sees this and said, Braley, Give me the bag, and I'll put, it in the, uh, I'll put it in the basket. And Braley's like, no, Mom, it's okay. I got it. See, she took an easy task and made it more difficult because she was unwilling to accept help from others. And I think that there's some of you that are going around going, God, I need your help. I need you to send me some help. I need, I need somebody to come into my life and help. And then, all, and then people will come up to you and ask what they can do for you. And you say, nothing, I'm good. I've got it all together. And then you go home and you ask God, God, I need you to send me some help. And he's saying, I'm sending you the answer. You're just not receiving it. I, I, I'm sending you the help that you need, but you're not receiving it. you got to get to the place where you go, you know what, I do need help. I do need help. I loved, I was so proud of, uh, of Gary Sickles and, and uh, 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 help me, Jenna and all them. They're, they're the volunteers of the month, but they, they, they showed up, and Cliff, Cliff was building a fence in Como. He couldn't come to church. They found out about his need. They drove to Como Picton. Come on, somebody. You don't even know where Como Picton is. They drove to Como Picton and helped the man build a fence until 8 o'clock at night because they, he acknowledged that he had a need, and there was somebody there to help. There are people here that are willing to help you if you'll just accept it human enough. We have this saying in the church, we're better together. And we really believe that. We're better together. I'm better because you're in my life. And you're better because I'm in your life. I know you're not admitting it, but it's the truth. You're better because I'm in your life. We're all better together because there's times when we just have a need and we say, man, I need, I need help. I'll pick up the phone and call Jimmy in a minute.
The sixth thing, be assured there is a purpose and an end. Be assured there is a purpose and an end. John 19, 30, Jesus said this. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Jesus isn't saying it is finished, like my life is over. He's saying everything that I did, all the pain that I went through, everything that I went through has accomplished what I came to do. It is finished. It is done. I, am, I, I, I have done what God has sent me to this earth to do. I had a, one of my best friends in the world, Scott Boney, and uh, he's, a, he's a big crybaby. Any guys in here crybabies? I, I don't know. Uh, but one day we were picking up some movies for the kids, and uh, I, I was at, come on, Redbox. Everybody love Redbox. And I uh, was at Redbox and saw the movie Soul Surfer. And I said something about it. He goes, uh, I said, have you ever seen that? He goes, no, I've never seen it. And I said, oh, it's a great movie. You know, I'm like, this is going to be funny. And because uh, <laughs> I, even I cried in that movie. Uh, and so I get Soul Surfer, and I, I take it home, and we're watching this. And spoiler alert, she gets her arm bit off by a shark. And, uh, and, and so he's sitting there, and I'm watching him. And he's got tears just streaming down his face. And he looks at me, and he goes, why did you? Why did you make me watch this stupid movie? And he gets up to walk out, and I said, no, 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 Scott. Don't walk out now, because it all turns around in a few minutes. Don't walk out now, because she does overcome. Don't walk out now, because she does beat this. Don't walk out. And I think a lot of people end up walking out on their destiny, because they're in a moment of frustration. They're in a moment of aggravation. They're in a moment when it doesn't seem like it's going to go according to plan. Maybe a moment of pain. And I want to tell you that God sent a bald man to tell you, don't you walk out now. Don't you stop because you're in the middle of your movie. I promise you it has a purpose and an end. Has a purpose and an end. It will come around. God gets blamed so many times for bad things. You know why God gets blamed? Because he's so good at turning bad things into good things. The Bible says the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Christ has come to give life and life more abundantly. I want you to hear this right now, that God does not cause pain. But he turns pain into something that can be used for your good. Every time he is good at that. Amen. The last thing. Found in Luke 23 and 46. It says this. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. The last thing I think Jesus would say is sometimes... You just need to surrender it all to God and learn to let it go. Surrender it all to God. That's a difficult thing. It's hard. Jesus had just gone through the worst time of his life. And at the end, he said, God, 
I surrender it to you. I give it to you. You know, I think a lot of people end up carrying things that they're not meant to carry. They end up struggling for too long with something that they're not meant to struggle with. And they think that if I hold on to it, just like my, my daughter with that, with that sack of potatoes, they end up trying to drag it around all their life, and they're trying to drag it and drag it. And God's saying, cast your cares on me because I care for you. You're not meant to carry it. You're meant to surrender it. Say, God, I don't know why this pain is. I went through a lot of hurt. I went through a lot of frustration. And it didn't work out like I planned. The marriage didn't end like I thought it would. But God, I surrender it to you. And I know this. You're so good at turning things around that you can turn this around. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, Come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest.